end that thing. I don't know that I wanted it to end. Such a beautiful song. Thank you, Tina, for sharing that with us this morning. Good morning, church. How, how are you all doing? It's, uh, it's not raining. It's not blowing gale force outside. And uh, the sun was actually shining. I'm starting to think we're breaking through. We, we actually did meet and greet. I mean, how long has it been since you shook someone's hand and didn't see somebody on the opposite side of you and think, oh, no. Uh, what do they have and uh, what are they going to share with me today? Today all we're going to share with you is love. How about that? That's what we're going to share with you, a little love. And we, we might actually do some corporate prayer today. Boy, it's been a long time since we've done any of that. And, and today we're talking about prayer. So maybe we'll just, we'll just bring it all back. We'll bring it all back. It'll be the bring back day. We should just retitle the message, bring it on back. I mean, come, there's nothing new under the sun. And uh, we should just make peace with that, right? Yeah, well, I'm in chapter 9. I'm revisiting chapter 9 today. Since last week, you guys allowed me the privilege of doing both 11 and 12, which if you've had the time to study those two, after the first four verses in 11, I'm sure you were pretty amazed because it was 867 names after that. So I'm just grateful that God gave us something. I know that for a lot of you, the idea of celebrating really resonated with you, and I'm grateful for that. But I've got to be honest with you, over the last few weeks, um, prayer has been a continual conversation of prayer after church, during church, emails d during the week, and just conversation after conversation. And so I thought, you know what? This whole revival started in Nehemiah 8, 9, and 10, three chapters on prayer and repentance, and it triggered something for the church that I feel like we desperately need today. So why not go ahead and get a little bit ahead, which is what we did last week, so we could get to prayer today. And I don't know if you've noticed uh, something about me, but one thing I really feel strongly about is that the best way that we can reveal God's word is as simple and pure as possible, right? Just straight God's word, as simply as I can make it. And I really pray that today, no matter how you came to church, no matter what's going on in your head, heart, and mind, that you would just kind of take a moment to just think about your prayer life. This is going to be one of those messages that just starts from the very infantile beginning of what prayer is and is not, and then hopefully we'll walk you a little bit down the road to say, but this is what prayer could be right? And prayer can be so much more than possibly what you've even fathomed this morning that I pray that you would let me take you there. And I think one of the problems that we have about prayer is the fact that we've been around so many different praying people in our lives that we have an idea of what prayer may or may not be, right? We all have that King James friend, right? We all have that thespian, that, that amazing speaker that every time they speak or they orate something that you're just like in awe of how they pray, right? And you're like, you hear them pray, and you're like, it literally sounds like new scripture being written as they pray, right? And you're like, there's just no way I'm ever going to pray like that. So one, I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to call them when I need prayer. And two, uh, when it comes to public speaking, I'm just going to be like, you know, fall back on the whole thing. Oh, public speaking, I don't do that. I, I've heard prayer before. I just can't do that. Or maybe you have one of those prayers in mind from camp. Now, I don't know about you, but I spent 20 years, 15 years in student ministries, and I heard some camp prayers from some kids that maybe just for the first time in their life were free to speak to God and realize that prayer was something that had been hidden from them. And man, these prayers of salvation and these prayers of repentance and these prayers were so powerful that you felt privileged just to be in the presence of someone who was praying like that. But I also had a friend in high school who was my best friend, my dearest friend, 28 years, me and my friend were inseparable before the Lord decided to take him home. And he had a problem. First, he wasn't a good public speaker, and second, he had terrible asthma. And the kind of asthma that always triggered if something exciting was going on, his asthma would just horrifically flare. 
And I'll, I'll remember back to this senior year. I wrote this message, and I was smiling in my office. I remember back our senior year, we were playing in our final game. We played eight-man football down in San Juan Capistrano at Capo Valley Christian. We are playing undefeated season. Last game of the year, coach asked my best friend to pray. I know he's going to be all hyped up already as it is. He's one of our linemen. He's like six foot four, 295 pounds. His helmet barely fits. He has a full beard. And sometimes all you can see is just from his chunked up cheeks is his eyes. And they're like, Ken, can you pray? We, we really need God to kind of answer this. Can we do this season together? Bring it all together. He reaches inside of the back of his, he has his inhaler in his football pants. He pulls out his inhaler and he does like seven hits, which those of you guys, they only need, they're supposed to do one. He's like, <laughs> and there's still like mist coming out of his face because he's just so full of like primatine or whatever the stuff is. And he's like, puts his hand on his shoulders and there's only eight man football. So there's only like 20 of us in the huddle. And he's like, help us, Jesus, help us, Jesus, help us, Jesus, go. And, 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 you know, they have the banner and the cheerleaders and all that stuff. And, like, we're still huddled. We're, like, we're ready for a prayer, right? He's gone. He's, he's going through the banner. He's already through the banner. And the crowd's all cheering for him. And we're like, let's go, yeah. And we went through that banner. It was ripped and everything. But we went through that. And we killed him. We crushed him. And we, to this day, the help us Jesus, help us Jesus prayer, still one of the most powerful prayers in my life. And I think I want to share that with you because... One of the things that we're going to have to work on, if we want to get to the real power of prayer this morning, I need you all to make a consideration. We're going to take the word prayer, and we're going to set it on the shelf. And we're going to insert a brand new freeing word. And the word is talking. Talking, okay? Because the reality is, there's three big barriers. I, I didn't spend my time praying about this morning. There's three big barriers that stop us from talking to the Lord without ceasing. And so if you're a note taker, today, today might be one of those, let's go and run, a couple of different things, but let's get to the barriers. These are the things that stop us from having a powerful prayer life. I've turned prayer into wishing, number one. I've turned prayer into wishing, okay? I only pray before I eat. I only pray before I eat. Because if you know how fast food is or restaurants or whatever it is, you have a concern about what you're going to eat. Now, I happen to have someone who has a lethal disease. If I eat anything that's not cooked right or anything's wrong, it's devastating to me. It's 24 to 36 to 48 hours of just utter devastation. I could totally understand why praying before eating is something you would do, but if you pray before you eat, that's, that's to me, that's especially if it's a singularity, it's more wishing. How about sleep? How many of you have had sleep robbed from you in the last two and a half, three years, and now all of a sudden sleep is a great time to check in with God? It's like, Lord, it's me again. I'm here. What's up? You know, I need to sleep tonight. I hadn't talked to him all day long, but I'm going to throw one up there. I'm going to throw that out there and say, Lord, how about sleep? How about this one? I work for the police department. I've seen some of your faces when you're pulled over, okay? There are definitely people who maybe military engagement and being pulled over by the police find it an opportunistic time to stop and try to engage the Lord. I'm not sure what you're hoping the Lord will actually do in that moment. Most of the traffic officers, I'm going to give you secret, secret side information. Are my cops are in here? Are my cops in here? Okay, no cops in here right here. Maybe one or two. If a motorcycle pulls you over, you're getting a ticket no matter what. Where's Rich? If the motorcycle guy pulls you over, you're getting a ticket. Stop praying, okay? Make a nice conversation. Tell him you'll see him in court. But if it's a motorcycle, that's a traffic cop. That's what they do. They're only going to give you a ticket. If a car pulls you over, rarely does traffic want to be in the cars, They'll get on to another thing. If they can get off of whatever they're on with you, they will get off. So pray, be polite, and then, then you might have a chance. Just secret side information for you. <laughs> it's almost tax season. Are some of you feeling the prayer bug <laughs> battling back up as you're gathering your paperwork? Right? It's like, oh, no, it's time for taxes. 
oh lord you know balance my books where are those checks it's like is it really prayer or is, is prayer really turned into this right you know i'm hey god i need you and of course if Menashe's here if your team's losing you know if green bay's losing or wisconsin's losing all of us on the staff know we should start praying right away quickly and earnestly for marge because she is definitely someone who loves her team so dearly um, as a Dodger fan, I can tell you I've been praying all spring season. So, How about this? This is another problem. This is veil number two or barrier number two. I, I want to help you, but I can't. So let me pray for you. I want to help you, but I can't. I don't have that skill set. So let me pray for you instead. Okay? Not only do we remove the power and significance of prayer in our life, the only thing that truly has power and significance We've diminished what someone's asking us to do, our brother and sister who has a need. We've diminished the opportunity to serve, and we've taken prayer into something and made it something completely different. And they're like, oh, well, he's, he can't help me. All he can do is pray, right? And everyone walks away, and everyone loses. And finally, the third one. This is kind of a weird one, but I've heard someone say, um, I can't help you if someone, if someone asks you to pray. Sorry, I can't pray for you. Because I don't speak King James. I don't speak that way. Remember I told you the eloquent prayer person? I've heard people say that. I don't speak that way. In other words, I don't have that gift. They've made prayer a gift. Remember, it's not prayer we're going to set aside. They've said talking to God is now a gift. So only certain people can do it. So let me pray this morning for you. And then I'm going to share with you one of the most amazing quotes. And I'm not really a quote person, but I think it's really amazing because we need to get down to the basics today. And we're going to get to the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to break it apart line by line. And I think you guys are going to see something this morning. The simplistic, powerful prayer of an individual availeth much. Father God, this morning, I do stand before you. And I am so grateful for the opportunity just to talk to you all day long about what's going on. And I pray this morning, Father, that you would mightily move through your words, that you would mightily remove some of the barriers that have been holding people back. I believe that prayer and tithing and serving and many different components of the church have been stolen from the church. And this morning, Father, in the name of Jesus, we would like to reclaim that holy ground, that ground that has been set aside for us to have regular, ongoing communication with you, the King of Kings, our Abba Father who loves to hear from us. Father, may everything that we do this morning and say this morning continue to bring honor and glory to and through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I'm not a big quote person, so you know me. This is how good this quote is. Martin Luther helped us form, formulate our faith as Protestants. This is what he said. I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost all of them. But whatever I have placed in God's hand, that I still possess. I've held many things in my hands, and I have lost all of them. But whatever I have placed in God's hand, that I still possess. Now, that struck me this week as I was writing the message to think about something. Not only has prayer or talking to God been stolen from us, but it's actually put us in a position of sin. Because we all know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of us are ex exceptionally good with Scripture. We all know that we're supposed to lean not into our own understanding, right? But in all ways acknowledge Him. And what we're actually doing when we try to hold on to things and not include God in every single one of those conversations is we are exclusively leaning into our own understanding. We are exclusively saying, I got this, God. And if we do throw something up to you, it's kind of more like a Hail Mary. Could you come in and jump in with me with what I'm working on? And not only does that rob us, but it takes away from the relationships that He so desperately longs to hear. 
Prayer is the only way that we can hand something over to him and say, you already know how important this is. You already know how significant this issue is. I'm going to give it to you so that it can be held in the proper position. And in, in return, what I'm asking you to do, Father, for me, is to give me the power and the ability to get through that. And that's a really important concept we're going to talk about today, is prayer is not to get over something or get around something, it's to get through something. Big difference, right? The situation comes upon you, the scenario is overwhelming, and you ask God, God, remove cancer. God, remove issue from my life. And I want to encourage you this morning. I don't think that that biblically speaking, I could substantiate that. There's no problem with asking him to remove something. But once you're firmly in something, the key and the power of prayer, ongoing talking, is to walk you through that. And then in walking through that, you get to learn something. What you get to learn is the difference between woe is me and spiritually I can see. All right? If you're, if you're struggling with your life because you're constantly asking God to take something from you and he's not, and you're like, what? what's up, God? What's, why is this prayer stuff not working? That's not how prayer works. We're going to get to that even more exclusively in a couple of minutes. How powerful is prayer? How powerful is talking to God? The Bible says, because you prayed, and I'm only going to give you three examples, but I think there's some amazing ones, but because you prayed, the walls came down. Because you prayed, Right? Oh, yeah, they might have made a joyful noise, and they might have done some other things, but they exclusively prayed for the walls of Jericho. Now, coming out of a message like Nehemiah and the walls, you got to know how well walls were meant to be. They're fortification for a city, right? Walls came down, and the beautiful thing about archaeology is now that they have found Jericho, another beautiful component about the walls coming down is the walls didn't fall on the people marching around the outside. If the walls came down this way, bye-bye to a good portion of Israel that was out there praying, right? That's a problem. The walls fell this way and allowed Israel to walk in on the rubble and take the city. This is a bonus to what prayer life is all about because one aspect of praying to God and asking God to be involved with something is the releasing of information to him saying, if you want me to do this, if you're asking me to go through this, then I ask you to give me the power and the privilege to make it through. If all things work together for those who trust God, then praying says, Lord, when the walls in my life do come down, don't crush me, please. But crush that thing which is trying to hold me back. Because you prayed, Joshua. Because you prayed and the enemy of God was standing in front of you. Because you prayed, Joshua, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to hold the sun. This burning inferno that blazes in the sky, I'm going to hold it. You know, I remember hearing that story it's like flannel graph Jesus, right? And flannel graph Jesus would fall off the board. You hear these Bible stories. They kept saying stories when I was a kid. And then I would read the Bible as an adult. I'm like, they're not stories. They're not fables or myths. These are real things that God did. Wouldn't that be incredible if they could prove that? Some astrophysic guy is actually saying that the tremor from the sun being held for that period of time for Joshua has caused something in the ripple of time and somewhere in the ripple of time that's measurable. I heard this in school. I can't explain it to you because it's beyond my comprehension. But they're saying that it's quantifiable, that someone can actually prove quantifiable from the rays of how they go out. There's a disruption somewhere in the timeline that's right about the time that Joshua had the sun held. Because you prayed, because you asked, because you talked to me. What about Elijah? Pretty powerful prophet, right? He prayed to stop the rain. Sometimes we forget about what God's actually willing to do and wanting to do to show people who he is. Now, if you could pray and stop the rain here for like a week or so, we would be really blessed, especially with the weather we've had the last few months, right? This wasn't for a week. 
This wasn't for a day. This wasn't for a few hours so you could wipe out your enemy. This was for years. Why? Because you asked. Because you spoke. Now, compared to a Hail Mary, compared to, you know, the wishing concept of like, God, are you there and would you help me? Think about what that does in your relationship with God. Remember, the difference is not praying around a situation. The, the difference is praying through a situation. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians says, but in everything through what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known. You have a father who wants to hear from you. You have a father who knows before you even speak to him what's going on. And I'm so grateful that Jesus took the time to write this, Matthew. This is uh, 6, 7 through 13. And I'm sure you've heard this taught before. And maybe most of what I'm about to teach you is secondary to you. But I just want to remind you, this is the template that freezes us up to know we don't have to recreate what we need to do. We simply just need to follow what Jesus himself gave us. Jesus himself checked in regularly with the Father. Jesus himself needed time alone to speak to his Father. If this was a priority for Jesus, who knows the heart of God not only well, but has the same heart, this should be a situation for us to find great comfort in. We also need to find comfort in our relationship, the ongoing talking to God. I'm going to read it through, and then I'll, I'll tear it apart for you. We're just going to do 7 through 13. 7 through 13. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this powerful template is something that you can have and use and review and go back to time and time and time again. Because what it reminds us is that the Father desires an ongoing dialect with you. How much does a Father desire an ongoing dialect with you? How many of you desire an ongoing dialect with your children? Right? Here, this is how simple I am. When my kids call me, do you, I, I answer my phone all the time. Someone asked me yesterday, do I have the same phone number? I've had the same phone number for 25 years. It's published in every form of everything ever on the planet. When someone calls me, the first thing that I do is check the screen. Right? Because what do you want to know? Who's calling? I know you guys well enough to know who's calling and what they're calling about. And I, I mean, truthfully, sometimes I want to pray even before I answer. Lord, get me ready. Lord, prepare me to listen, because there's some people who just want to cathartically just kind of vent. Lord, get me ready to diagnose. Lord, I, and I pray. But when I see my kids, I don't think about any of that. You know what I think about when I see my, because my kid's face is what pops up on that time. You know what I think about? Yes. My kids want to, of their own volition, check in with me. You know what doesn't matter to me when they check in? What they say. You know what doesn't matter to me? is how they say it. You know what doesn't matter to me? Anything that doesn't matter, as long as they don't pick up the phone and say, I'm only calling because my wife made me, and then they don't say anything. That would bother me, right? But as long as they say, hey, Dad, I just wanted to check in. How you doing? How's your day going? I don't care about anything in the world anymore, right? Now, we're earthly fathers, 
And you, as earthly fathers, you give certain gifts to your kids, right? But the scripture says is, how much more does your heavenly father give? And not only that, when he's praying to God, is he saying, Lord in heaven who's distant and far away, the, the, the God of deism? Or is he saying, Adonai, Abba, Daddy, Daddy, Father, it's me, it's your son. I'm checking in, and I want to go through a couple of things with you. He starts off by saying, when you pray. So when you pray is not if you pray. Right? Don't miss the nuances. I love this is how powerful God's word is. We don't need to be clever and make God's word any more powerful than what it is. It does not say if. So the mandate is if you are a follower of Christ and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if he is your way, your truth, and your life, and you have given your life to him because he has given his life on the cross, then it is a mandate of your relationship that you have regular, ongoing, simple dialect with him. Amen or no? Okay. This can't be stolen information anymore because we're releasing this. We're pulling the veil back and saying, this is not how it's meant to be. So let me tell you how it's meant to be so that you can be free to realize. When you pray, assume that you will pray. Implied is that the believer, not if we pray. This is a requirement. Don't babble. Now, I know some of you bought babble so you could learn how to speak. right? And so this is going to be confusing for you. But let me explain what babbling is. The type of prayer that existed back in the day was the idea of a rote prayer or something that was just a simple already been said prayer. Maybe for my Catholic friends, this is far more comforting. Say two Hail Marys, one Our Father, and then you simply say something that's already been said before and through that process of saying that there's some type of forgiveness. And these people would not only say that at this time, but they would say it loud or they would stand up and they would just emote it so that everyone heard them and it would just be an ongoing continuum of the same words. And he says, that is meaningless to me. Not interested. Zero interest. What I am interested in is something that's honest. What I am interested in is you not yelling it at me because I hear you and I know what you're going to say before you even say it. So don't raise your voice. Don't lower your voice. Don't emote in such a way to try to draw attention or draw affection. Leave all of that out. What I want is what you want from your best friend. Now, everyone in here has someone that you love to talk to on the phone or in person, right? I want you to start thinking about that person and why you love talking to them or why you love being around them. Because it's honest, it's transparent, it's simple, and it's brief. And it keeps you enthralled in what they're saying, and you want more of it. Don't babble. It's already been heard, it's already been said, and guess what? That's the end of whatever you're going to do. You think there's some kind of reward or now God's going to interact with you? It's over. Matter of fact, later on in the scripture, we find out that to be verbatim. Their reward is complete. At babbling or raising your voice or repeating something that's just a rote prayer, it's already over. When you're done with that, it's done. It no longer has any significance or value. But instead, don't be like them because this isn't what God wants. What does he want from us then? He wants you to be honest. He wants you to be transparent. If Paul said pray without ceasing, what he wants is an ongoing dialect about what you're going through right now. What is the situation that you're in? What is your needs? Cast your cares upon me, right? Come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, and do well with them. Put those on me, right? I'm strong enough to carry them. Lean not into your own understanding. Put them on me. Talk to me about what you're going through. And then if I want you to continue in that, if I want you to struggle with that situation, I will give you the strength to make it through that. Right? 
Because if we're, if we're not, if we're doing the same thing that they're doing, then not only not helping people, but we're actually drawing people away. We're distracting them. I remember a couple years ago in an elder meeting, we were talking about um, thanking God because he heard a prayer. Thanking God because he answered a prayer. And as the, the circle was continuing to go around, I literally felt like in my mind, God tapped me and say, is that the only time you thank me? Is when I answer prayer? And I was like, no, Lord, I'm, I'm trying to thank you all the time. He goes, that's what I want. Thank me. Don't, you don't pray to me because I answer prayer. You pray to me because I hear every prayer you make. Right? The blessing is that there's someone available 24-7. The true 24-7 person is our Abba Father. If you're an earthly father and you care, I'm an earthly father, I do care. How much more does your father care? you got to sit with that and think about that. That's like saying when you sing, you sound bad to your parents. By the way, there's no parent that's ever played a video of their kids singing that's ever showed it to anyone without a joyful smile on their face and saying, look how amazing my little child is, right? Because you sound different to your parents. They don't hear like that. They don't think like that. They think that's my joy. Amen? I mean, come on. Some parents, you know, grandparents. How many of the grandparents are showing videos of your kids singing and doing stuff and the people are looking like, whoa. I guess I'll pray for you. It doesn't seem that he's doing well. And you're like, isn't that glorious? Like two different completely opposing views. We don't see it like that. It's all good. It's glorious. Don't be like them. Don't be worried about things when you're praying. If you're worried and you're praying, it's because you're not talking to him ongoing. Because it's back to this, right? Back to the first barrier. If you only reach out to him when you're in being pulled over, then is he really the God that saved you, or is he just the God that helps you out while you're living your best life? If, if you think you're living your best life ever, just come up and pray after church, because we got some things to talk about. This is not best life ever. That is a lie, okay? In this life, you will have. It is a conundrum in this life. We will have. But rather than praying around the situation, rather than asking around the situation, if we pray through the situation, God gets a chance to say, look, stop with the woe. Stop with the oh. You know, like the guy who comes in, you know, and I'm praying and just, I'm, I haven't eaten in days. Like, don't, don't, don't be like that, right? We're all going through something. We're all in the middle of something, right? But this is what God is doing. All things are working together. How many people love that verse? Because what does it say? If all things are working together, then cancer, disease, infection, metal braces in your spinal cord, whatever you have is a blessing to you for you to build a relationship with God through ongoing, ceaseless, powerful prayer. Communication. I'm so grateful that in verse 90 transitions to this is how you should pray, right? Conundrum or no conundrum? No, okay. This is how you should pray then. Brief, important, and to the point. What it does not say is this is what you should repeat. I have to say that every single time because there's an assumption in the faith that we all think that everyone knows the same thing. And to that degree, we have other assumptions about how we think they've learned other things and they're all kind of stuff. It's not like that. It's not like that. Not everyone realizes that how simple this is meant to be because they've grown up in systems systematic theologies they've grown up in theologies and ideologies and orthodoxies and things that have told them all these and it's been stolen from them so i say this to you because this is this isn't just a good speaker matthew this is matthew writing jesus's prayer to his father this is as good as it gets this is as close to direct information from the sources we're ever going to get he's saying this is how it should be pray this instead our father and I tell you what, I'm a nuanced guy. Did he say my father? 
Did he make it exclusive? Because he's, he's part of the Trinity, whether you get it or not. He could have said, my father. He could have let everyone know who he is. My father. He specifically said, our father. Why? Because he, he already gave up his, his Godhead portion to be with us. He gave it up so he could know what we go through. He could be in that same position. And he wanted that group, that corporate mindset to say, guys, this is our father. This is the same privilege that I pass to you, that every time you inclinate up, down, or whatever it is towards Abba, towards Dad, he's listening. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Once again, King James, right? Oh, I don't speak hallowed. Hallowed just simply means holy, right? The idea that who you're about to pray to and who you're about to speak to, and whether you speak it or not, the Spirit of God is going to understand. Even if you sit on your knees and you simply cry for 10 minutes and not a single word comes out, it says that the Spirit of God translated every single one of those tears and that God understood it. So why do people want to use his name in vain? Why is the first thing you want to say when something bad happens is God's name in vain? Think about what a, what a stealing that is of something to us. When you inclinate to him, if you're talking to him, if you're talking to him without ceasing, you're, not, you're going to be far less apt to use the Lord's name in vain when you think about how holy he is and the power that he actually has. Holding the sun in his hand, seriously? Who could do that? My God could do that. Our God could do that, right? Our God, our Father, that's who could do that. No one else. Why? Because he was there when it was created. He put it into motion. He flipped the sands of time and said, okay, time has started. I'm outside of time. I put you in it. But I am the one that controls all things. So keep my name holy. Transitioning to 10. What should we pray for? Your kingdom come. Okay? Whose kingdom are you praying about 99.9% of the time with your Hail Mary system of wishing? Amen. Right? We've made our lives about us. We've made our prayer lives about us. And we're not asking God to invite us into what he's doing and where he would have us go. We're asking God to step down and come into our will and to our life and then support us in what we're doing. Guys, we're not here to build our kingdoms. Right? How many U-Hauls are there behind a hearse? Your kingdom will be in storage one day. Your kingdom will be in a thrift store one day and I will buy it. Me and my wife specialize in buying other people's kingdoms at a very discounted price. I'm not buying a new car. I'm not buying anything fancy because I can wait. And there it will be, sometimes even still boxed, because your kingdom will all be left behind. Why are you praying about your kingdom? Why is your kingdom so consuming to you? Right? Your kingdom and my kingdom yield to the kingdom. And we are here to serve because of our commitment and faith to the cross for what Jesus has done for us. Every day that we wake up, the, the conversation begins with, Lord, here am I. Send me. Whatever's out there today, whatever I need to get to, regardless of the infirmities that my body's going to place upon me, send me. Your kingdom go today. Your kingdom grow today. And may my kingdom decrease for the sake of your kingdom. Why? Because... It's being done on earth as it is in heaven according to his will. Now, that's another message in and of itself. I have a fabulous message from about nine years ago, eight years ago, I wrote on God's will. And I think at some point I would love to share that with you because 
God's will is not just some ethereal thought that nobody understands. It is biblically speaking just as laid out as this as well. It's perfectly clear. And if you don't know what God's will is, then I would love to share that with you eventually in the future. But I want to remind you something. That's what you need to be praying about. Your will be done. Right? Who else said, not my will, but your will? The same guy who wrote this prayer. Right? You talk about keeping the main thing the main thing. Church, I don't understand why. How far off the beaten path are we when our will becomes our focus in life? Our job, our wants, our needs, how people aren't meeting our expectations. I'm sorry, but the earth does not rotate around you. That's why it rotates around the sun. Shocking, isn't it? The earth doesn't rotate around us? What the? This is new information, Pastor. I'm going to write that down. Isn't it interesting? I mean, I have a couple of different things about today that are super interesting. But sun, like we're getting ready for Easter, and... I've always been fascinated by that, whether, you know, you like the kind of stuff, the apologetic of our faith, but like the earth rotates around the sun. And don't we as Christians, shouldn't we be doing the same thing around the sun, right? The son of God. Our entire orientation should be around one thing. The hub of our spoke is one thing. And his will supersedes our will in everything and anything that we get to talk about. And if it doesn't, then that's going to be a problem. So, Pastor Jeff, what are you saying? I'm saying you can do whatever you want to do. You have a will, too, called free will. And for your free will, you can take your Disney e-ticket book and place the ticket on the counter and purchase whatever you want and go do. But do me a favor. Once you buy the spinning cup ride 80 times in a row and you're nauseous and sick and you can't walk in a straight line, do not call me and ask that God would strengthen you so you could go back on the e-ticket ride. I got in a situation recently where someone wants to do what they want to do, and they've been doing this for a couple of years with me, and I lost it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I lost it. Because I felt like God tapping me on the shoulder and saying, are you just enabling them to stay on this teacup ride forever? I understand how much they love the teacup ride, Jeff, but you're a pastor. And, and when they're calling and saying, hey, my life, and 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 my life, man, what about his life? What about his wants? Why do you keep calling and asking me? You, I got problems too, bro. I'm not even on the teacup ride and I'm sick. You know? But I don't call you every day and say, help me, help me, help me, help me. I just told him, I said, you know, why don't you stop at the pet store and buy a bunny rabbit? I did. God is my witness. In a text. You know what? It's time for you to go buy a bunny rabbit. Because if you want something soft and scrubby, your ongoing relationship with the Lord has been tremendously weakened. If you don't think he's sufficient to get you through everything, you're telling me he's sufficient to rescue you from the gates of hell, but he can't rescue you from your ongoing conundrum of every, every weekend not making money in the job that you're working on? That's because your weekends aren't meant to make money. Your weekend is meant to be sitting in this chair, listening to the word of God and reminding yourself who you are in Christ. That's your job. And my job is not to support you in everything you do. You know, I'm a pastor first and foremost, which means friendship is, is available to any single one of you. But when it comes to superseding the word of God or asking me to pray for something that I don't believe the word of God says, I have to hold the line. And that might have been the, not been in the best way to say that. And if that individual ever does hear this message, I'm available and I'm here and let's talk. But let's talk about things that matter. The kingdom of God, first and foremost. His will be done and lost people come into heaven. Let's get off the fact that you're a Christian and I'm a Christian and we got problems and why isn't God helping us out? I'm done with that. I, know, I have no time for that conversation anymore. 
I want to know why lost people go to hell and why it doesn't keep Christians up at night. That's what I want to talk about. And that's worth doing whatever it takes in my to-do to get rid of so that I can empty myself out to be available for that single call. God keeps asking, do you want to bless the Father or do you want to be blessed yourself? It's a question that you have to answer because he says in verse 11, give us. Give us. He's not saying give me again. The, the whole idea of what he's praying, he's not praying this accidentally. He's saying we all have needs. We all have wants. Corporately speaking, we as the body of Christ, we all have needs. But we need to ask him for the provision of what he wants. He may want you to go through the trial. He may need you to go through the trial. There may be someone sitting next to you in that trial that doesn't know who God is. And the hope that's within you that allows you to go through that trial differently will be the blessing and the reason why he put you in that. But Pastor Jeff, so he put you in dialysis just so you can witness to the guy next to you? I witnessed to every single person in there. They don't have a choice. All 40 of those people are captive. You can't go anywhere with needles in your arm, Right? And when someone cries out and when someone's having a bad dialysis and when something bad is happening and they get to come get me and I get to pray with them, I realize something. Give us. Lord, you better give me the strength. I got to go through this too. Right? If, I, if I'm leaning in my own ways, then I have to have the strength. And trust me, I've had some days in there where I, I had no strength and I got wiped out. And it's ended horrifically. But I've also had days where I wasn't feeling it. A couple weeks ago at church, I was terribly sick with food poisoning. I didn't tell anybody, but maybe four or five people knew. I was terribly sick with food poisoning. And I was sick 24, 36 hours before the service. And I hadn't even stood up until like 5.30 in the morning. And when I finally stood up around 7 in the morning, it was, and I'm like, I'm going to church. And my wife was like, you're not going anywhere. I'm taking you to the hospital. You're going in an ambulance. I said, I'm going to church and I'm going to preach. And I sat there and I just prayed because that's all I've been praying for 36 hours. What else do you pray when you're that sick? When nothing's working, your whole system shut down. Lord, use this. Lord, this is yours. Give us. Give, give me the strength to, to go speak your word to these people. And then give us the word today. Okay? Today, guys. Not tomorrow. Today. It's as good as it gets today. Right now is as good as it gets for the kingdom of God to be active in your life. If you're not thinking about who you can invite to church in advance or who you should invite to church or whatever it is, then you've missed out on the opportunity because today is as good as it gets. And tomorrow has its own problems. So for you to be praying about things that are futuristic and whatever, that's fine. Make that a small portion of what your ongoing conversation with the Lord is. But make sure you stay in the moment. Make sure you stay focused in the here and now. Because no man is promised tomorrow. If you don't remember what the Word of God says, then remember the person you're praying to and speaking with, he does. So when you start asking him about tomorrow and next week and next year and whatever, he's like, how do you got that handled? Aren't you, why aren't you worried about today? Why aren't you talking to me about what you're about to face today? Because today, you have your own problems. Oh, Lord, if I could just remember the little sparrow. You don't lay up for him. That little sparrow has nothing prepared for tomorrow. That's fine, guys, but how much more precious are you than sparrows? Right? Like, I don't want to be the person in your life to tell you something new. I just want to be the person to remind you what Scripture already says, and then hold fast to that. Because if the sparrow doesn't have to lay up, if the sparrow doesn't have to worry, then you, how much more precious are you than a sparrow? Like it was a two-cent donation to use a sparrow back in the days of yore for a sacrifice. Two cents. You're, you're so much more precious than that. Deliver us. Lead us. Give us. Give us what? Daily bread. Now, I happen to be a bread lover, Okay? 
I will go to Maggiano's and spend the $100 just to eat fresh bread and dip it in oil and vinegar, okay? For me, that's every bit as good as a meal. Yes, even an olive garden if I have to lower my standards, but I will take 12 or 13 breadsticks if needed. I'm not upset with not eating food. I can eat bread. But the concept of bread here that I want you to understand that's so simple is the word of God is supposed to be what to us? The bread of life, food. So I want to make it what makes sense to me, but I'm not supposed to lean into my own understanding. So the beautiful thing about studying scriptures and having commentaries and all these beautiful things I can realize, God's word is bread. That's what you need daily, okay? You need to hear and think and supplicate and consume God's word. In doing that, that's the subsistence that you need to to then fire up and feed your prayer or your talking life, right? What am I going to be praying about? What am I going to be thinking about? The more you consume God's word, the more you fill yourself with his word, the more that kind of effervescence of that, you know, as a the more that inhaler kind of, hey, it's God's word that you're going to be praying about. It's God's word that you're going to be speaking to him about. There's nothing more nourishing than bread and water. You're like, Pastor Jeff, that's the lowest, that's like prison food. Okay, then we're all prisoners. In faith, we're all prisoners. And what we need every day is our two squares. We need a couple slices of bread and a little bit of water. As long as we have that and our dependency is on God every single day, we could not be in any better of a situation in life. We're actually in our deepest trouble when we're sitting next to the fatted calf, having everything that we need brought to us, and then forgetting who we actually are in Christ. And that as you sit there and eat that meal, somebody in this town, somebody you drive by, somebody you work with, someone in your spiritual oikos is dying right now and doesn't have the hope of Christ that you have, and you sit there and you eat that fatted calf, and I can just tell you, you know what, go back to bread and water. It's time to get simple, church. We don't need to be any more complex. It's time to get simple again. What do we need today to make it through the day? We need the word of God, and we need Christ. Verse 12, along that with that, what happens when we start thinking about Christ, when we start prioritizing others, and forgive us. I love the plurality. I love the corporate nature of this prayer. I love that in Jesus' time of need, when he's leaving this master blueprint for us, he incorporates us into it, right? He always knew that we were going to need him. He always knew that our hope needed to be in him. And so when he says something like, forgive us, he's telling us, we're going to make mistakes. You're going to do something today that you regret, And forgiveness is a mandatory part of who we are. And along with that, we should always start in our prayers when we get to the very end and we talk about the prayer acronym, we should always start with just kind of an idea of like, Lord, whatever I'm doing, whatever mistakes I'm making, or this specific mistake, which is heavy on my heart, Lord, just forgive me. Forgive me because if it's impeding my relationship with you, if it's impeding my ability to love another brother and sister, then I just need to ask for forgiveness. And as far as the East is from the West, I'm, I'm so grateful to know that there's no condemnation in Romans 8. There's no condemnation for me in Christ anymore. That forgiveness is given. And what else do you get to do for others? Then you asking for forgiveness from him reminds you how forgiveness works. Now you're in the, in the mode to forgive others, right? If your inclination is to hold forgiveness from others, then you should realize that that impedes you from being forgiven from the Father. That's what verse 14 says verbatim. If you withhold forgiveness from another, it impedes your ability to receive forgiveness from the Father. It's a huge red flag for a believer to hold forgiveness. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they've done. I don't care how malicious or horrific their intent was. 
If you want to pour hot coals on their head, if you truly want to see the word of God be active in your life, you need to get on your knees and give that up to the Lord because you're not doing them any favor by you holding it. You're not any holier, you're not any spiritually smarter or any wiser by you holding that sin that they did against you. First of all, no one can sin against you, and no one can sin against you, and no one can sin against you. They can only sin against one person, the way, the truth, and life, right? And he says, any time they inclinate, any time they ask, I forgive. Forgiveness has been stolen from us. And if we don't forgive, it impedes our relationship to be forgiven by God. Let it go. There you go, let it go. My Disney quote for the day. Let it go, okay? Put it in the hands of God. Let him hold on to it. You just let it go, okay? Finally this, lead us. Lead us where? Lead us not into temptation. Well, Pastor Jeff, I don't think you can get away from temptation. You can't get away from temptation. I like to think of it like this. Temptation is so part of our lives that wherever you go, whatever you do, whether you're looking for it or not, it will find its way to be in. I'm really close to scrapping media in my life, really close. If my kids weren't so tied to it, if I didn't enjoy the snapshots of my grandchildren every day and the other things about it, but I'm really close to just like, I can't block and filter my stuff fast enough that no matter what I do, no matter how I open it, it's some totally ridiculously horrific thing that's popping up on my screen. And all I can think of is, can you imagine if anyone saw me looking at my phone when this thing's popping up? As if I have something to do with what the algorithm is saying and what all this, it's like, it's not, it's just sin. It's temptation. It's all around us. It's been there from the very beginning and it's not going to go away. But the only way that I cannot be caught up in it is the Bible says, do not return to your vomit. That's a horrific statement, but I'm going to tell you what that means. It doesn't mean you can avoid it. It simply means don't return to it. Does that make sense to you? I mean, sin is all around us. I can't help that I see sin all that, but don't return to it. Don't allow yourself to re-engage it. When you know that's not of God, and when you know he's saying, hey, that's the wrong place to go, on your TV, on your phone, wherever you see it, do not re-engage it. Because that's the first step you take from walking out of the path. That's the first step you take from being under the umbrella of God in the middle of a hailstorm and stepping out and saying, well, let's see how bad it really is. Forgive us and lead us. Why do we need to be led? Because we are sheep, the dumbest animal in the world. God, we are so enamored with ourselves. We are, because we lean into our own understandings. We just think we're super great and we've got it all figured out. Go spend some time in a country or a place or this town, the sure in Temecula or Maria. Go spend a day with a sheep farmer, a sheep rancher. I don't care if it's five sheep or 500 sheep. Spend a day with someone who actually takes care of sheep and you will find that scripture will come alive in a way you've never heard before. They are truly that in need. Fast-moving water, fast-moving water. Hey, bah, we're thirsty. You're thirsty. Bah, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Let's go. They'll walk straight in and drown themselves one after another, after another, after another. But they're thirsty, and there's water. Duh, bah. Yeah, duh. They just, they, he has to lead them to the still water. Wow. I'm losing parts. What did I lose today? Guitar fringes. Oh, this will help me with my sliding runs on my guitar. Still water is where you drink, sheep. If you drink from the still water, you can fill your void and live. And then you can go back to eating grass and become food for other people because ultimately that's what you serve. (laughs) 
but there's a big crack in the ground. One of the few Instagram feeds that was actually funny. I think well, you might have sent me. There's a crack in the ground, and I've already fallen into it twice. I think I can jump it this time. Ba -ba 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 -ba, boom, straight down in the crack again. And I think the title of the thing was, Why I Hate Being a Sheep Farmer. It's like, oh my gosh, Jim's back in the hole again. And they use their stick and whatever. It's like, guys, we need to be led. It's okay. It's, make peace with this, all right? It's okay. He's not insulting you. No one loves you more than God. I'm making fun of it. I'm just saying it's the nature of that animal. That's why he picked it. He knows the animals. He created them. We named them. We're caretakers of them. But he knows the nature of that animal. It, by default, needs a leader. The church is not your leader. I am not the leader of your life. We already have a leader. The way, the truth, and the life. The word. The beginning, the end. The alpha, the omega. Alpha, the omega. We have what we need. We need to let him lead us. By the way, if you didn't know that, that's Greek A. Omicron, alpha, omega. We need to be led. And he wants to lead you. The way that it happens is simply remind yourself, Lord, I feel myself falling back in and want to take care of this matter. Let me go talk to them. I can square this thing up right now. Or whatever you want. Right? Yield. Whatever you want. Deliver us. Deliver us from what? From the evil one. Okay? We have an enemy. It's not your neighbor. We have an enemy. It's not COVID. We have an enemy. It's not politics. And you can add whatever name in politics that you like or dislike. None of those things are our enemy. We only have one true enemy. And he seeks like a lion to devour anyone that's not part of the pack. He's looking for the ostracized one who wants to run alone. He's looking for the wounded one who has left the strength of the pack and now seeks to be on their own. If you don't know who the enemy is, then you may end up lashing out against someone who's not an enemy and even a brother or sister or even someone who's not a brother and sister in Christ. Remember, remember what you were like before your salvation prayer, right? If someone would have said, yeah, but that person's not worth praying for, there's not a person in this room who was worth praying for. But thankfully, we didn't set the bar on what's important and what's worth and what's value. He raised the bar and says, every single person is worth it. Every single person has hope in me. In Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone away. And we need to see that even in the people that thwart us from doing what we want to do. Okay? They're not the evil one. The evil one is the evil one. And the evil one wants to break your ongoing, regular, simple prayer life so that you just think, hey, it doesn't really do anything. It's not true. So, summarize. What is prayer? It's not specialized talking. It's simple talking. It's a simple, ongoing conversation in regular, throughout the day, inclinating and reminding yourself who you are and who you're talking to and how much he enjoys it. Why? Because like a parent who loves to hear that check-in from their kid and has this kind of euphoric glow about them when their kids want to check in and tell them things and share things with them, and there's a sense of like pride, like you've raised that kid and you've put them before God, and now God is allowing them to be privileged in your life. It just brings joy to that person. It brings joy to me. I can only imagine how much joy it brings to my father. And ultimately, what does it do? It makes me closer. All right, here's another simple fact for you. You have three people in your life that you really like. Jesus, by the way, had 12, but he spent a lot of time with three, okay? You have three people in your life you really like. You have 24 hours in a day of which 
depending on your sleep schedule, whatever, uh, you know, six hours to 12 hours sleeping, whatever it is, some of you 18 hours if you're millennials and you're sleeping all day, still looking for a job. Um, whatever time you have left in the day, <laughs> you work six hours, you work eight hours, you work 10 hours, how much time do you have left in the day really set aside that you can talk to your friends? Let's be honest, small, right? One hour, two hours, three hours. You choose out of those three friends, the one who is A, most receptive. The one that you get to talk to on the regular time that you get to talk to them that makes you feel like it's worth it, right? And then the more time you talk to that one person out of the three, what happens? The closer you get to the one. It's just a natural repercussion of how God designed us. Now, the other two start to get jealous, and when two or three call and say, hey, why don't you call me anymore? Because you realize with them, maybe they're not as apt to listen or maybe they're more apt to complain, or whatever it is, and so you struggle with the other relationships, but you and the one won't have that conundrum. You and the one will continue to grow, and through time, and through, even though you had three or four friends, one will always kind of naturally rise to the top. Now, I've had three really good friends, three male friends that were really amazing, and unfortunately for me, the Lord has physically taken two of them home, and left me with the third who's no longer in California, and because of that, my 38 years of marriage or 36 or 35 or whatever the number is to my wife has made my wife <laughs> she's now so far above the pile that I don't think I could ever have another person in life that I say that I would call or cherish or just want to talk to her any time of the day for any reason more than her right she truly is she, she's my best friend and the cool thing about that is now my relationship with her is so beautiful and I'm really grateful for that to share that with you is that I can look at her and without even saying a word, you know what happens? She already knows. And Lord have mercy if I try to tell her something else. Because she already knows too. Right? Because we have spent so much. We've, we've been together since we were 18, 19 years old. We've spent more time together than we have apart. So because of that relationship being that way, when I walk home and I'm not, I'm not feeling it, and she knows I'm not feeling it, and I'm like, oh, no, everything's good. She's like, sit down. And that's it. She knows. She wants to know, tell me what's going on, right? Can, tell me what's going on. She knows. And there's a sense of that, like, I'm not going to hold it from, I'm just going to tell her, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling this. My, things are not working. My leg, well, one of the things for kitties is, is my legs do weird things. I'm like, no, my legs are just whack. I just can't walk and, okay, sit down. What do we need to do? Boom, processing. She's my processor, right? It's a beautiful thing to know that the more time we spend, the closer we get. It's a natural repercussion. And think about that. If we did that with God, Every single day, ongoing, talking with him, think about how much closer you would be with him. You don't have to say, hey, Lord, did you know? You never have to start a prayer with, Lord, did you know what I'm going? Or, Lord, do you know what I'm going? It says, before you even inclinate, he already knows. So just remove that from your conversation. Lord, help me. Struggling again. I'm back in that dark place again. I saw a bottle of Heineken or some beer that, you know, that was my thing back in the day, and I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there again. I want to fall back into my old ways. Or, Lord, I feel the anger coming help me. You know, you know I'm prone to anger. You know I'm prone to break things. You know I'm, he knows, but he just wants to have that ongoing conversation with you. Why? So he can lead and deliver you. He's not asking you to lead and deliver yourself. This is, we're not trying to make it through in our own volition. That's the problem that you're having this morning if you feel overwhelmed. You're trying to make it through on your own. That's not how we were designed. We are sheep. We need to be led, and when he leads, he's responsible to deliver. Amen? Take that away from you, and then what you'll find out is that God's not only listening to you, but he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to bring it to him. 
Now, one final thing I'm going to give you my, if, if you haven't written anything, this is kind of cool, but if you haven't, it's going to be pray on one side and acts on the other side. P-R-A-Y on one side, A-C-T-S on the other side. When you bring something to God and you say, Lord, I need, just remember something about saying, I need. He needs. Okay? And what he needs supersedes your needs. So even though you have a need, always start your prayer with adoration. The ACT side is adoration, confession, thanks, supplication. And by the way, the next book that we're going to study is Acts. So when I found this little acronym this week, I was like, oh, really, Lord? We're, we're making it that clear. I had no idea. I had three or four books picked out. We just prayed about it. And now as we're finishing this thing on prayer, adoration, confession, thanks, supplication. Watch how beautifully those line up with pray on the other side. The P is persistent. Persistent adoration. Pastor Jeff, I appreciate you, but I don't use adoration. That's King Jamesian to me. I don't use adoration. Love. The ongoing simple prayer of an individual availeth much. Why? Because it represents love. It represents that you're talking to the one person, the one thing that you need more than anything else. If you always approach the throne of God in adoration, if you always approach the throne of God with your opening line of prayer just being that, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, the King. It's like sometimes we sing songs, but we forget what they're teaching us, to inclinate in adoration. That ongoing act of inclinating and adoration just puts you in the right place. It puts your perspective in check so that whatever happens, you'll be ready to receive. Why? Because the second one, R, the repentance and the confession of a humbled person is able to receive information and instruction from God. See, the reason why we're not able to be led by God is because we're doing it on our own. And that stubbornness and that hardness to say, you know what, God, I, I know you have a way and you have a plan, and you have, but this is my will, this is my plan, and I really would like to do this. And then he says, okay, son or daughter, just like we do with our own. I love you, but that means if you want to walk in the rain, step out from the end of the breath, then go walk in the rain. And when you catch pneumonia, and when you get a cold, and when you're wet and your bones start aching, please don't start praying, Lord, heal this, and Lord, forgive this, because I can't. Because you're, you're bringing it on. That's the repercussion. If you want to walk that way, if you want to do that thing, go do that. But there's a place of protection that's in me where I get to lead and I get to provide. If your repentance and confession is, Lord, you know I'm astray. I'm off the path. Get me back into the light. Your word is a what? A lamp unto my feet. Get back in the path. Get back into the word. Confession. A, ask with thanks. Ask with thanks, just like persistent with adoration, ask with thanks simply means, okay, so I have kidney disease, I have cancer, I have a car accident, I got bad taxes, I got a horrible religion, I got whatever I got, and whether I deserve it or not, I got it. So Lord, I'm just asking you, what is it that you want me to see, do, learn, or understand in this situation? Because I'm not going to pray around things anymore. I understand now that praying around something is not trusting in you in all things. I'm going to pray through this. And if there's no condemnation for those in Christ, and the 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there's no temptation come upon us for which God has not provided a way through, then all things considered, I'm going to trust you to not only get me through it, but to teach me and grow me through it. And then it's going to be spiritual maturity, right? Not spiritual woe. 
Why are you doing this to me, Lord? Ultimately, you get to yield. Why? Yield and supplicate. Yield and supplicate. Once, okay, Pastor Jeff, big words again, supplicate, not using it. Supplicate simply means to implore. Like a crying out, spending quality time with something. If you, if you hadn't spent any quality time with God, maybe you haven't heard from God because your life is so busy and so full of noise that even if he was speaking, you couldn't hear. Yielding means like what, what Martin Luther says, I'm putting this situation into your hands, my job, my career, my relationship. You find the word that makes the most sense to you. I'm putting that in your hands, and then I'm going to hold. I'm going to be still and know something. What am I going to know? That you're God. And that's good enough. I'm going to be still and know that this broken relationship that's been terrorizing me for X amount of years somehow is something that you allowed to happen. You mean God allowed it to happen? Well, it's, it's not like God's making bad things happen. We make the choices that make bad things happen. But God allows us to go through that situation so that the development of your relationship with him allows you to give strength and encouragement to others. Does that make sense? Right? I can explain to you what I'm going through. My sickness, whatever, has helped me be a better pastor because I have a better understanding of what it means to live with infirmity. And maybe you've gone through something that helps you understand something. And together, each one of us work within this body of Christ to help other people understand their situations and scenarios. And together, we're all strengthened by that. And the resolve of that is we all have an opportunity to, Colossians 4.2, devote ourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray, persistent, repentance, ask and yield, adoration, confession, thanks, and supplication. It's, it's no more complex than that. That's as simple as I can give it to you. You get to pray for other people. You get to pray for yourself. You get to pray for your family. You get to pray for your neighbors. You get to pray for your mom. You get to pray for your dad. You get to pray for your employees. You get to pray in the good times. You get to pray in the bad times. You get to pray without ceasing because it's an ongoing conversation with you and God that should never end. And if it turns into that, then I can assure you something. Your spiritual life will radically change. This church will radically change if we truly become the kind of church that's praying every day, Lord, what would you have me to do? What neighbor would you have me invite to church? What friend in my family needs to come to church? What person in my life is someone that I can start sharing the hope of Christ with? The walls cannot contain a person that's on fire like that for the Lord because he gets to speak truth into it and speak truth into it and speak truth into it. And does he ever get tired of it? No. Do I ever get tired of hearing from my kids? No. Until my last breath, one of the things that will bring me the greatest joy is having my kids near me, right? Guys, don't make our relationship with God any more complex than life needs it to be. It's the same way for him. The greatest joy that he has is spending time with you. And the time that you bring of your own volition to him is a blessing and encouragement. And in the same way, don't cheat him when it comes to praying out loud or praying with other people or praying because you don't feel that you sound right or that it doesn't make sense or that it's scrambled. Today, I would like to even finish with this whole thing. Maybe we should go back to this. We used to do this thing where we prayed with the people around us, you know, grab three or four people around us and just do the popcorn prayer where it's like one little sentence, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for my friend. Thank you for the coffee and donuts. Just, just getting ourselves used to talking and encouraging and blessing one another. So I'm gonna ask the band to come back up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end the service with this kind of mental mindset. It's like, you know what? Today, I'm gonna encourage you. Maybe today is the time to restore something that has been stolen from us. We are only as good as the weakest link, right? That's what, the, that's what we learned in school. And maybe the weakest link has been us and our concept of what prayer is and isn't. And maybe this morning God has revealed something to you. So I'm going to pray, and then 
while the band finishes and whatever, I'm going to ask maybe that there's an opportunity for you to find some people around you and try to just go old school with them. Maybe just say, hey, you know, let's pray. Let's corporately pray, and let's just thank God and remind ourselves that we're in this together. None of us is doing this alone. And if there's one thing that the church ultimately brings us to understanding is that we're all in this together. Jesus died for us cumulatively, corporately, and we can come together and bless him and be encouraged by that. Father God, I just come before you today, and I thank you for the simplistic nature of ongoing conversation with you. I know we call it prayer, but I believe that today, Father, you've made it really clear in my heart, in my mind, um, that it's nothing more than just an ongoing relationship. And like people that are wired for relationships need, I need to talk to my wife. I need to talk to the people I love every day. And when I do, I'm blessed, and I'm encouraged, and I'm grateful. And likewise, we need to talk to you ongoing throughout the day. We can't just throw up something every once in a while or throw out something when something's running amok. It just, it doesn't work like that. It changes who you are. It changes what you have done. And if there's one thing we know that the cross ultimately provided, his death, burial, and resurrection ultimately provided the only way through death so that a believer in Christ can say there is no sting in, in death. Death is now a benefit or a blessing for a believer to actually embrace and look forward to because of the way that you have created a way through it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the strength that it brings. And may this morning the kingdom of God continue to grow. We do it all in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Okay, we're just going to do one song to end up. By the way, Jeff, that was great. Love the straight talk. And Mark, uh, just for our tech team upstairs, we're doing the last song. Let me know when you're set up there, okay?
Blessings, everybody. Go and have a great rest of the Sunday. Family ministry across the street. If you have your family and you're here across the street, food will be ready in about uh, 10 or 15 minutes. All families, thank you. No, but we we both had everything.